Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through all the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. Evil Dead trailers finally stop as rise drops in theaters with images so gory only half pop up on Google. Netflix made a Mighty Morphin special with half the Rangers. Apple spent more time on the cameos while they ghosted their scripts. And Ari Aster came early with his Mother's Day movie. As always, I'm your co-host Arturo Surita. And joining me for Los Amigos Movies, it's Zachary Shevich. That's it. We do uh, we do Mondays because on Thursdays is when we're free. We've got that scheduled time to do hits on uh, HBO characters, beloved HBO <laughs> characters. A lot of people are claiming Barry's not a comedy anymore, but this last episode I think was the funniest episode they've had in a while. Pretty hysterical, although they have dropped that like signature horn open from the intro. Mm-hmm. So like it kind of yeah. you can chart the progressing seriousness of the show through their dropping of that uh, goofy music. But I mean, th- that's the thing about the jokes in Barry is they they may be a little bit more few and far between now that we're in season four. But when they hit, they're hysterical and absurd and uh, just as funny as it's ever been, I feel like. Yeah, no, Barry's been killing it, Succession's been killing it. We'll have a bunch of those TV specials that we'll be talking about. We have a bunch of streaming stuff. We have a bunch of theatrical stuff as well. Uh, You made it out to go see Bo is Afraid this weekend now that it's been released. Uh, You caught it uh, last week. You went to the uh, Lincoln Square IMAX theater because Mm -hmm. he has an exclusive IMAX release that nobody can get a hold of if you're not living in New York or L.A. Like, one theater's playing it for us, but Jimmy Cameron decided to re-release Avatar on a mm. weekend where we have a, a, a director coming up with another movie. We needed more original stuff out in IMAX theaters uh, to play. And I was able to catch a screening early on. It was an arm and a leg to go see it at Regal City North near us. It's where we saw Nope together. Uh, and it looked pretty cool. That's half the size of the theater you have in New York, though. So you had probably the best experience in watching it uh, in terms of a theater. I don't know if you had any goodies that they gave out for you. When I went, well, it it was a lot. Yeah, they sent us home and the empty handed. Oh, well, they sent me with some PJs, bro. The little, they're not as knitted (sighs) as his were, but the limited edition. Yeah, not quite monogrammed for you. No, yeah, they're they're not silky. You don't have the silk. I just love though how all their uh, all the merch that has been happening with them does do the MW stuff, which without getting into too much spoilers, isn't really a company. It's a company within the world of Bo is Afraid. But you know, A twenty four, if they're gonna give you the budget of a little small tiny Marvel movie, they're gonna get their merch out some way. Uh, I exactly. then went to the Alamo because we had gone to a Cubs game and. and the Cubs had a, a really good game. But <laughs> the next time you come over, I might have to take you to a Cubs game. This is what they serve their beer. I still never is, been to Wrigley. It's the most ridiculous thing, bro. You got to come. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be a good time. But they opened up an Alamo Draft House right next, right next to Wrigley. And I saw they posted these up um, on A24 to sell. I was a slow poke. I missed a hat. So if anybody snatched up a hat, please let me know. Because I ended up with these freebies over at the Alamo Draft House. It's the keychain that they sell with it. So I almost have everything <laughs> for the collectibles for Bo is Afraid. Um, nice. 
and maybe an understanding of the movie because this is the most confusing movie to have come out. You talked about it briefly last week. How is it sad yeah. with you? You know, I think it's so such a like huge, assaultive, crazy, maximalist experience. You know, Ari Aster is throwing every type of anxiety uh, you can think of at the screen at you. That it is so overwhelming. I don't know if it feels like easy to wrap your arms around. So I definitely left the theater in a bit of like a shell shocked, unable to fully process yeah. its state. I don't. I don't feel like it completely confused me in terms of the main trajectory of the story. I feel like that is actually pretty easy to explain. But there's what's all your pitch these to it? I mean, I, I've been describing it as like a Jewish version of a of the uh, what is it Christmas story or no what is it uh, uh, with the Christmas Carol with the ghosts of Christmas past future and present because he kind of goes on these visions of his past future and present. It's just yes. that it has this sort of like uh, cruel twist of fate that that feels a little bit more uh, anxiety motivated than like the optimism uh, of a Christmas Carol. You know that yeah. But, you know, like while while I do feel like there is kind of like that that through line that I I felt like I got and I understood, there are just all these tangents and all these moments and all these just eccentricities that Ari Aster puts into the film that I don't know if I could even begin to start and try and parse. Although you know, I guess we got to try, right? <laughs> we have to try. I'm excited for it. There's like no footage out there, but I know we want to work on some spoiler stuff later on in the week, so. In terms of recommending this movie, if you've seen Hereditary, I still think that's his most... It's one of my personal favorites. I think it's the most accessible. I hate using that word. But, I mean, time-wise, it accessibly is the easiest movie to watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. Midsommar, I know, had some people a little bit more on edge. They weren't really sure how to feel about that movie. I think it is one of the best breakup movies. This is going to be the most difficult one of his. I can't say, like, yo, it's Saturday night. Go take the whole family, kids, everybody to go see Bo is Afraid. Because, yeah. what, it's two hours and 59 minutes. You feel it. It is definitely segmented into parts. Um, I, after seeing it two times, I'm rocking with it, man. Look, yeah. I feel like this is his... <sighs> He's at that point where we've, we're getting all these directors getting on the third movie. Uh, nope as well being a third movie for Jordan Peele uh, mm-hmm. you have several directors from Eggers to even I'd say with Barbarian these movies where um, directors who have done a lot of comedy begin with horror mm-hmm. only to then kind of go full circle and come back to uh, doing this almost dark comedy esque type thing um, that I, I honestly loved I think the easiest part to recommend is the first act of this movie yes. it's in this headspace where you can't tell if it's how he perceives the world to be, or if the world is this loony. Either way, right. I was in it. It's got this tone where you just take everything to the max. Like, when you're a little kid, this is like a guy who's never grown up. You're a little kid and your mom doesn't get home in time, and it's six. Exactly. By the time it's 6.01, you think the worst thing possibly happened, and that's this mm-hmm. whole movie. I mean, it's the experience of living through the world through the shoes of somebody who's been taught to be afraid yes. of everything in the world. And, and no, maybe no part better exemplifies that, that, like you said, than that whole beginning section when uh, Bo is in his apartment in the city, and the city is like this Fox News hellscape, you know? It's, it's like what It's what every... Martin Scorsese said it was. 
it's it's like what every like person who thinks that you know living in the city is like a is like a constant uh slalom through drug uh drug crime and stabbings that's what mm-hmm. their vision of urban it's life Gotham. is like yeah, yeah right and, and, but it's just so funny because it's so like it's so heightened in a way that like even though Ari is a filmmaker who's really good at uh poking at your nerves in a way that unsettles and frightens you here. He's doing it in a way that it's, it's like sometimes I, there's a therapy and exercise. There's a exercise in therapy called a worry. Well, where basically you're supposed to like think about your, your deepest, biggest worries, like the, the biggest fears you have. And in sometimes in articulating them, you realize how ridiculous you are. You know, like if you think like, Oh, I'm going to mess this up and my boss is going to punch me in the face. Like, absolutely not. (laughs) That's, that's not going to happen. But like, you can still sort of have that anxiety about it. Right. This movie is that experience for three hours. Yes. And as miserable as that can be, it's so effectively well done, it's in my opinion. Funny. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is hysterical, and I, I'm a person who, when you rewatch *Hereditary Midsummer*, I think those movies are hysterical. He has been doing rescreenings now that he has presented a comedy, and people are like, mm-hmm. "Ari, did you know your last movies are funny?" And he's just sitting there like, "Yeah, I've kind of been." I saw you go back and watch a lot of his short films. Um, mm-hmm. This dude isn't isn't he's goofy. His comedy is juvenile to the point that I was perplexed. By yeah, some, I mean, of the, uh, a, some of the some of short called bro. Tino's dick fart. Like, come on, he, it's just he's... it's funny because <laughs> people consider him like the Criterion dude, right? Like, oh, he's there right. in the closet picking up the nah, man. So sophisticated. T- tell him what the short is. <laughs> Tino's dick fart really works. <laughs> you know, there's an Easter egg to this in the movie as well. Is in, in what in Bo is afraid? In Bo is afraid. There's an Easter egg. Do they to have this the movie. device or something? <laughs> It's, uh, well, I don't want to spoil too much in it, but I would say that mm. even in reverse, there is a Bose is Afraid Easter egg in Tino's dick fart. It's Ooh. just a whole expanded universe. What can you say? Um, there's a lot of theories we can get into. Uh, we definitely want to do a spoiler one later on in the week. But in terms of recommending this movie, I'll easily, any day of the week, say go watch Hereditary. If you've been in a bad relationship, I'd be iffy to recommend Midsommar. <laughs> I don't know who to pitch Bo is Afraid to. It may be too difficult to watch in theaters for some people, but I do recommend catching it at some point. Because this yeah. is a movie where you need to reflect on it with your own insecurities, your own doubts, and whatever makes you guilty. Uh, I think in due time, people are going to look back on it and really uh, appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. But it, at three hours, it is a gruesome experience. Yeah. Did it uh, exhaust and you? Because I definitely, yes. as much as I appreciated and was kind of awed by it, like by hour two, it is very exhausting. There's technically five segments, but really it's, it's sorry, it's three that you kind of have that beginning moment, the moment when he goes out into the world and, you know, not spoiling how everything goes. But there's that middle part where you see a lot of uh, colors coming to fruition that you, yeah. you see in the trailer. I was a little, a, more a little gone by that. Yeah. The first time yeah. by the second time, that was probably one of my favorite sequences. Mm. So it's one of those where it's asking the audience to kind of give a little to come back and return to the movie. At three yeah. hours, that's difficult for mainstream audiences to do. But I think uh, in due time, when you, once all the explainers are out there, I think a lot of people right. are going to be able to connect things and appreciate the movie more. I mean, I generally find like the experience of watching a movie sometimes can be more difficult that first time when you're trying to figure out where it's going, especially with a long mm-hmm. film like that where you like, really don't know where the journey is going to end. And then when you are able to revisit it as you have – 
like, and you know this is going to lead to that, which is going to lead to the next thing. It all makes a little more sense and flows a little bit better. So yeah, maybe it's too much for some people to sit in a theater uh, and get assaulted like that for three hours, but there's a lot that is really worthwhile here. And especially if you're just like excited by the ability of a filmmaker to push on your buttons and make you uncomfortable, this is a a really must-see movie. I mean, I think I said this last week too, but this is the... For film that has most uh, boldly dared to get an F cinema score since Mother. Like, it just yes. does not care what you think about it. And you know I love Mother. <laughs> you can catch this in an IMAX. Please do so. There's some great sound yeah. design. It also has to do with the story because you're getting so into details. his mind. And Joaquin said, Joaquin said, go, go take some substances. Go in there. We had at our second screening these two girls who just down two bottles of wine. Boy, did they love the Parker Posey scene <laughs> in the twisted, <laughs> the most twisted way possible. Uh, but yeah, it was a blast. It has been uh, very interesting to see the movie end and people just go, are you serious? And then yeah. no one knowing when to get up during those credits. So if you yeah. are willing to go see the Ari Aster movie, go support it. I, I know it cost a lot more than his last two combined. Yeah, what I do you think? It, is Ari Aster's career over? Nah, bro, I'm so excited to see what he has next. The <laughs> next course, one's yeah. the Western, right? Yeah, I think so. With uh, Joaquin, again. I, hey, they did a killer job with this one. I'm, I'm excited for it. But let us know your favorite Ari Aster film uh, so far from what he's released. If you enjoyed this new one and your theories on it, because we'll be getting to those spoilers soon. We have a full review for this next one over here. Evil yeah. Dead Rise. We got to catch this over at the South by Southwest film festival uh we were there at the premiere Uh, it comes from lee cronin who we also saw his previous movie at another film festival uh over at sundance the hole in the ground was this creepy movie about this kid who finds a hole in the ground and uh while that movie was okay it had a lot of creepy imagery um i didn't really care too much for the story in the end of it he continues having very creepy imagery again not too much of a story that i can connect with i recently went and rewatched all of the evil deads bro Evil Dead, mm-hmm. the first one, The Evil Dead, is pretty solid. I, I understand why people like it. Evil Dead 2, I don't know when was the last time you've, you've caught that one or if you've seen it. Evil Dead 2 is fantastic. If that mm. is the epitome of what this franchise could be, then I am waiting for them to go back to that goofy Sam Raimi style. Um, this feels like the junior to the 2013 one. I don't know how you felt about that one. I actually didn't see uh, the 2013 one, but I know that that one has more of a reputation I'm going to buy you a copy. I'm going to send it to your house, bro. I know you love the Fetty version, right? But uh, The Fetty version's great. You would hate <laughs> the Fetty version. It's worse. It's crazier than this one. So you were you were underwhelmed by the, the humor in Lee Cronin's? Because there, there's some bits there. There's the eyeball that, bit that I, I chuckled at. Yeah, there's, there's some funny parts. I can see how they're homaging to it. But to me, a lot of this Evil Dead Rise felt like, yo, do you remember the originals? We're about to reboot. Mm. No, we just had the 2013 one. It feels like the second reboot. The closest thing I could connect it to is Ghostbusters Afterlife, pretending like the Ghostbusters from 2016 didn't just like appear and, and was the Force Awakens uh, return to the franchise. I feel like they're re-rebooting it uh, to a degree. Um, I I was a big fan of the 2013 one. I thought that they were able to go all out with the gore. This one, like I said, uh, almost gets there. I I I think it's able to deliver on a lot of the gory elements that people will be satisfied with. I was satisfied with it for the most part, but there's an element to it where I want to get to know the characters just a little more. And I felt I had, I had that better in the 2013 version. Yeah, I feel like there's also an element because they're sacrificing the the character so much and not really di- diving into that, where when they do start a 
horror set piece. Like it kind of feels like it's just sort of happening. There's not as much of like a rise and fall of a of a introducing of the elements and then like a easing of the tension. It just kind of is mm-hmm. like throwing different scary things at you for the duration. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I just feel like there there are films that have given me a similar feeling to Evil Dead Rise, but have done it with a little bit more more craft or I don't know thematic resonance than this one, which just felt like assaultive in a torture porn type of way. <laughs> it, it it's to me it's right before that. I, I'm not fully yeah. in there, but I I can feel you. It's definitely not one that's going to convince somebody who is not a fan of these movies. However, that intro I do have to shout it out when it when it when it hits yeah. it hits. That beginning is fantastic. It is mixed beautifully, and I thought we were going to be in, in that element for a majority of the movie. Uh, but I am surprised that. At least around us, this is not in Dolby. This is not an IMAX. Like I said, the Mario movie is still scooping up the IMAX and the yeah. Dolby's. Uh, Avatar is back in there, so this doesn't. At least around us, have a full premium release. So even though I don't, I'm not head over heels over the movie like that. Uh, it kind of sucks that people aren't able to see it in Adobe release because that's exactly how I would recommend it uh, for those who are looking forward to this. But hey. Yeah. The trailers are now done. You guys can watch the NBA playoffs, the hockey playoffs, without being assaulted right. by this trailer anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. To see, the it, movie to see where they take it next. Pretty well in its opening weekend. Uh, cool. 23 and a half million. So that's pretty decent. Like we're not necessarily going to have to wait another decade for another Evil Dead film. Are you are you eager to spend more time in the franchise? Yes. So they keep teasing this idea of bringing in the old Ash, bringing in the re- remaining one from the last one, and then... Uh, Whoever may be alive at the end of this without spoiling it, right? I've been combining it together. They're trying to do what I know the Jigsaw series, uh, Saw is trying to do right now as well, kind of bringing the whole universe into one. Uh, yes, I would very much like that. That would be awesome for me. So, Zach, please watch Evil Dead 2. I promise you yeah, it is I'll not it. as gory. It's fun gory. It's like it's actually fun gory. It is the complete opposite yeah. of this torture porn that, that's there. Um, but then do watch the 2013 one because that is even worse than what you think it is. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll watch oh, the man. old ones for Raimi at least for sure uh, Evil Dead Rise in theaters if you get to catch Adobe lucky for you surprisingly <laughs> I did catch Adobe to this next one one little theater wasn't playing Guy Ritchie's The Covenant in theater number 17 they actually had it out in a Dolby mixed theater right after they were showing all the Super Mario in the beginning so I went at yeah. night you got one too? I same for me. Like, they had Super Mario throughout the day, and then I had to wait till 10.30 right? at night for the one Dolby showing. Hey, I, I'm glad they at least had it, because this is a movie yeah. where I would pitch it as a military Western, dude. Um, mm-hmm. It is uh, gruesome. It is a full-out war film. But what really resonated with me was Jake Gyllenhaal and Darceline's performances. Um, yeah. First, got to talk about the title. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Gotta love it. Shout, shout out Guy Ritchie for that one. I, I don't know how many more covenants there were before this one, but I, he was still able to get away with it in the poster. But Yeah, is Guy Ritchie really at, like, Guy Ritchie's level? Like, I, You know what I would have liked? I, Guy Ritchie's <laughs> Aladdin, but what I would have really loved was Guy Ritchie's Snatch. That one just has a ring to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Edgar Wright or, or Martin Scorsese are, are out here putting their names in the title, you know? She's going for the Lee Butler there, but uh, Guy Ritchie's yeah. The Covenant is based off of a true story. It is a, a dude who uh, was like a high-ranking uh, chief overseas early the U.S. Army early Sergeant, 2000- yeah. 
yeah, 20 tons. And uh, he specifically gets a new interpreter to join them after an incident that had happened. And the trailer, I'm not going to lie, kind of spoils everything, but it is a true story. Uh, mm-hmm. An incident, another incident happens, which causes him to kind of be left by the wayside. And this interpreter, played by Darceline, needs to help him out. Um, I don't want to spoil what happens at the, the aftermath because that really is the first big hour and change chunk of the movie it's just them getting to know each other this interpreter kind of giving him advice on different things to do where jake gyllenhaal feels like uh yeah the character that he's playing feels like he knows what to do here they search for ieds um but he doesn't really know the environment and this interpreter as he says in the trailer isn't really there to translate he is there to interpret and thus be able to Mm -hmm. help him uh to do his job more properly Uh, how'd you feel about it well, um, you know, in some ways it's kind of like a an uncomplicated war movie, right? Like, especially mm-hmm. in the modern era as war has become a very, like, it, it hasn't, it, it's not, it's not like two sides meeting on the battlefield, right? There's all, all sorts of espionage and intrigue and nuances and our war films tend, have started to reflect that more, but there are movies that are sort of treated a little more simply. And I feel like the covenant just reduces it to, to some simple terms, right? The U S army are the good guys. The bad guys are the people whose faces are covered and you can't, so you can't even see like their humanity. Uh, but there's still just like this really effective, um, inspirational story at the heart of this, of these two guys in, in Jake Gyllenhaal's character and Dar Salim's character who, who who become the like who become intertwined right who become mm-hmm. uh fated to help one another through yep. the the obstacles in their lives right they that they've they owe each other a kind of blood debt. Like that yeah 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 and you know particularly to see an actor like Jake Gy- Gyllenhaal who I think is a fantastic actor. He's so great to see uh, all the different roles he has. But this is interesting in that, like, while he's often got this very uh, electric, kinetic energy to him, he's so much more steely, so much more reserved in this role, playing the kind of tough guy army sergeant. It's it's a bit of a different look from him. Like, I'm not going to put this necessarily in the Jake Gyllenhaal acting hall of fame, but it's a very good performance. Though the one that really... Uh, took me by, by surprise was Dar Salim, an actor I was Very not good. familiar with in this film, and really carries the entire middle section of this movie. Agre- literally carries the middle section of this movie. Uh, I agree with you when it comes to Jake. There was several moments where Jake Gyllenhaal just stares out into the distance. I ended up counting like five by the end of the mo- by the movie uh, where an incident happens and he kind of just it's in slow mo, so you know he's not like dropping the ball in the middle of action. But he it's just this broodingness that comes out of his yeah. character. Dar Salim just had it in him, dude. I thought he killed it in the movie. He does a fantastic job, um, just getting fully into the character. Uh, as you were saying, Guy Ritchie is a dude who, one, as the chat was saying, dude's been busy this year. We had just covered, what, a couple <laughs> weeks movies, ago? yeah. Uh, the other one that he had made in Operation Fortune. and I feel like he has another one in the horizon as well. Like, he, yeah, he's just, he, he, he keeps working. Um, I like Hercules. the perspective that he takes. I, it definitely feels like propaganda to a degree. Uh, you right. can't deny that, especially, you know, uh, it's, in certain it's sequences where they get rescued. Top Gun Maverick, like, yeah. we are the, the good guys, don't ask questions thing. But at the same time, I, I, I do feel that this is a movie that's trying to 
put them in check to a degree, like as much as a movie mm-hmm. can in terms of what the film is talking about, about these interpreters who yeah. pretty much just get assigned and are promised a lot of things uh, for their service, you know, because they practically become traitors. They live there, meaning that they have to uh, turn on everybody in order to be able to help who technically is, you know, the invaders in that country. Uh, so this is a story out of all of the hundreds of interpreters out there where a dude actually decided to repay that bet. There's this, uh, right. that, there's a line in the movie where he talks about it being like a hook, and that's where I was really resonating with that Western style of it, of, uh, yeah. of a dude coming back as this lone wolf to be able to help somebody. He's like, this, there's going to be this hook in me that's never going to let me go. It's invisible, but I keep feeling it every day. Um, yeah. And that's the part they that give- I think really resonates. They give Hall a couple speeches like that where he's really able to kind of uh, sell the the emotionality of the movie despite sort of being in that mes- more reserved role. But yeah, I mean, even though it is a little bit simple in its, its characterization of the conflicts and of the people uh, within them, it's still very effective and, and very just like, I don't know, uh, rousing, I- I'd even say. It was a thrilling know, moment I- towards the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, t- very <laughs> tense, and, and the yeah. action's well done. You know, we, we talked about uh, Guy Ritchie, but he's a guy who knows his way around an action set piece, and I, I even felt like he didn't go over the top with it, like Zack Snyder-like, but he even used that kind of speed ramp thing that he likes yes. to do effectively in a couple spots here, too. Some nice overhead um, ones. That was cool. Yeah. If I may just make, like, a really pretentious point, did it at all bother you the, like, sort of contrast between how sort of, like, motivational and uplifting this film is and sort of like the sad reality that it's trying to shine a light on it. it it's like there a lot of times when films based on true stories do this, it, they kind of leave you with like a, a bitter taste in your mouth through the epilogue, you know? Yes. Look, I'll put it this way. I think the specific director we have here and the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal was in Jarhead yeah, makes me think... Yes, that while this one definitely feels way more, the troops will come save you, that it's still willing to kind of, it's kind of like trying to work within the space of not fully insulting it, but I yeah. do think it puts it on check to a certain degree. The The one spoiler uh, totally. that I, that it's not too much of a spoiler, but in the beginning, there's this uh, essence of them working under the radar. Like he needs to find these bombs. So he kind of asks for help and he's like, well... If you don't want, if it's not working this way, maybe try another way. But I never told you that. So there's a lot of this, you know, everyone's working without really checking each other. That right. while they're getting things done, I feel the movie is almost calling it out because when you're True. working that way, sure, he's doing it for a reason. But eventually, someone's going to be able to take advantage of that system of not being put in check. And what what, what better way to showcase it than to just showcase it? Uh, so right. I, I do think that's kind of insulting it to a degree. Um, for me also, Anthony Starr appears in this movie in a role where he is very much the American hero. And considering mm-hmm. that he too, my man, he, he has he has done a performance where I think he should have won an Emmy where he is calling out America way more than any anti-military movie can because he convinced people in that other role to do what? To believe that he was on their side. And then the last season happened, they didn't know what to think. So it could just be me taking you know Jarhead, taking the role he has been and thinking that they're being a little bit more subtle with it. Uh, but I, I can see people feeling a certain way depending on, on, on how they want to view the scenario. Because, yeah, you also have a dude where it's like Dar Salim's character. He worked for the Taliban. But this excruciating journey that he came on, if you do this, you too can be forgiven. And I'm like, I don't know about this. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, uh, obviously all of these stories are going to be complicated uh, to varying degrees. But um, it's overall, as this, yeah, it's a very effective movie. Uh, both yeah. of them are, are, are pretty much standouts, and I would recommend it if you had that one Dolby screening that's playing after Super Mario Bros. <laughs> give it a shot if the uh, the trailer <laughs> the trailer stood out to you. Uh, keeping on it with these rated R thrillers to catch yeah. a killer. I was able to mention this a couple weeks back because I'm a big fan of Damien Cifron. He did Wild Tales, which I think is it's just fantastic. Please watch Wild Tales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Argentinian director making, if I'm not mistaken, his American debut or at least English debut. Zach, yeah. what do you think about this one? Uh, I thought that To Catch a Killer was a pretty solid uh, police hunting uh, serial killer style movie that also did a pretty interesting job of making it feel modern, right? Like this isn't trying mm-hmm. to catch Zodiac or something like that. He's a no. he's a killer that operates the way that we see a lot of uh, killers work in, in modern day, like public mass, mass uh, casualty events, right? And I, I think that there's an element of this film that felt a little bit like... Uh, <laughs> foreigner tries to explain America as best he can. Thank, like I, thank I, I know you, we, sir. I know we have a lot of gun fatalities in this country, but I, I kind of feel like if the events of this film happened. We would call in the national guard or something, not just yeah. rely on Shaylee Woodley. Um, <laughs> but but at the same time, like there still is like kind of a fun, and maybe not a fun, but like an interesting, compelling, like trying Thrilling. to profile the, the killer yeah. and police procedural yeah so as much as i kind of maybe rolled my eyes at at some of the attempts to shoehorn in like different modern uh you know qualms with modern society i still thought it was pretty effective in kind of like a i'd watch it on a weekend afternoon kind of way yeah uh it it, like it I almost want to give it that junior price saying it's worth the matinee. Uh, but if this was on streaming, that's probably the best way to catch this, right? Uh, yeah. Like you were saying about the modern things, there's a sequence early on where they don't know who in the building who's escaping might be it. So they start taking video of everybody <laughs> in order to be able to capture, capture their faces. Yeah. So they're trying these like new techniques and that's what she's supposed to bring to the table. But at the same time, you're like, why her? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, out of the way that everyone, uh, the way that the whole thing is played. Um, you also have a pretty decent cast around her uh, that I think make it a thrilling enough adventure to follow. I think Ben Mendelsohn was pretty mm-hmm. good because they bring up all of these yeah. Jaws references of how are you supposed to handle a scenario like this? Do you shut down the city? Do you not shut down the city? Uh, which approach do you take? Um, and I thought he did a really good job with it. But overall, I do agree with you in that sense of having a foreign director kind of like sampling what they think America is. And there's no better movie than Tyrell. You know how I feel about that. It does not get as low as this movie does. But damn, was it getting close to that at certain (laughs) points. So uh, my barometer for it would be this. To Catch a Killer is pretty decent. I think uh, if this gets picked up by Netflix or something, a thumbs up on that. I think uh, it's worth the watch right under two hours, hour hour 59. Uh, It keeps you intrigued for the most part. I was never bored by it. So for that, yeah. I give it the recommendation. There's this one part of the film where, like, <laughs> Shailene Woodley's character is essentially like, I don't blame you. I blame the media that goes after clicks. And it's like, what What are we even talking about? What are you on, part? bro? <laughs> like, there's no reason yeah. that Brianna Taylor's name needs to come up in To Catch a Killer, but it was there. Nah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. 
I'll leave it at that. To Catch a Killer, out on limited release, I want to say, but it should be yeah. available in uh, virtual video on demand very soon. Uh, two other ones. I had mentioned Other People's Children. It is out in theaters again, so this is my probably last one. Until we get to the best actors of the year, because she's making my list. But if you have not seen this one, this is a limited release at the moment, as well as limited, limited, limited release. Carmen, have you heard anything about this movie? It played at TIFF. Um, mostly just that Paul Mil- uh, Paul Mescal's in it, and it's a weird retelling of the Carmen story, but not much yeah. more than that. Carmen is a, if I'm not mistaken, Broadway play um, that has been reimagined. They're kind of even pitching it as a prequel to what Carmen would have been, uh, and mm-hmm. they've recast, they've rechanged the songs. However... You have a pretty interesting crew here because it's not just Benjamin Millipied who is a choreographer. So he's done a lot of theater. He's done a lot of ballets. He choreographed Black Swan. So he's already kind of been in the business of, you know, really big art house features. Box Lux, another personal favorite of mine, really likes Natalie Portman. Here he has uh, Melissa Barrera, who is big and scream now. Everybody. What's up? Weren't they married? Who? Him and Natalie Portman. I think they divorced recently, but... Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Well, look at him. Or well, maybe they're still together. I'm not sure. Hey, he's moved on to feature <laughs> films. It would be pretty dope go. if they collabed in at that point. Get them together in a future one. Yeah, still married. Um, interesting. All right, that's fascinating. I'd like to see them do something. It would have been more interesting maybe seeing her in this movie. Uh, right. The movie... Look, I was a little skeptical of it. It didn't blow me away, but it's not underwhelming either. It has this, uh, it's not fully unrealistic. Like they'll go into song, but it kind of makes sense within the tone of the movie. You know, it's not just someone breaking into a musical number. They're using a song to comfort somebody else who's with them. They're auditioning with a, with a song, but it almost kind of feels like you're about to enter this across the universe type musical, uh, kind of outline. Um, Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that you also have some talent in here that I know is going to be your curiosity. If I could pull him up here, I don't see him. Composer Nicholas Brattel worked very hey. closely in the making of this movie. In fact, there were oh, yeah. certain sequences when we were watching it where we're like, hey, there's, these piano pieces are coming a little bit more. If I could just get a you got the succession theme there. So the music's hitting. The movie looks beautiful. The acting, look, I'm not the biggest fan of Melissa's acting. I think this is the best acting she's done by default. Uh, And then your boy, uh, Mezcal, he's even got some original songs in this. So there is possibly a longevity to this movie uh, for some categories in the near future. Overall, they've stilted this release. So even if you were curious about this movie, it is very difficult to find. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to leave it at that. If you are a fan of Carmen... This may not be what you're looking forward to because they do a completely different thing. But if you wanted to see something new, they do attempt something new. I'm curious to revisit it uh, when I get a 4K copy of it. I feel like like most people's curiosity in this one is is very, like, Paul Mescal driven. Do you feel like those people are going to be satisfied with this film? Yes, because he sings. 
and he's like in a day goatee <laughs> the whole time. So he's he's like the military boy there who's just trying to do right and help this right. woman cross the border and get to where she needs to be. So for that, yeah, I, that's the thing. It's it's one that very much leans on heavy visuals. You know, if they're not singing, mm-hmm. there there'll be some sparse lines of dialogue, but for the most part, they're performing. It's like it, it's almost becoming La La Land in the desert for them. So Carmen <laughs> out. I don't know where, uh, but if Zach catches it, we'll be talking about it later on. Curious to know yeah. people's thoughts on that if they catch it. Also in theaters, we will be covering these two next week for sure. Uh, we just, there's so much out. When you're watching a three-hour movie twice, you can't really fit them all in. But Chevalier is yeah. out in theaters. This one also played at TIFF. It starts the one and only Kevin Hel- Kelvin Harrison Jr., who I've heard is fantastic in this movie. And in particular, everyone keeps saying that the intro is so good. Yeah. The meat's okay, right in the middle of the night. But then the ending is, like, just as good as the beginning, and that has me really curious. Uh, it's two, almost two hours long. It is playing in mostly all theaters, uh, at least in Chicago, so I will be catching this one this week, um, as well as Somewhere in Queens, a comedy directed by Ray Romano himself. I saw the, the trailer boy. to this. They started, sp- they started spoiling all the jokes. This is his first. I did not realize he had not directed before. I didn't realize he directed this one. This one also seems to have a pretty big release. It's playing at a bunch of theaters everywhere. Ray Romano, Laurie Metcalf. I mean, it looks pretty funny. So uh, I have this one on my watch list as well. But if any inner cuties have caught any of these two, let us know which one we should have on yeah. our radar uh, in the immediate future. Let's move on to streaming. Let's with do a it. bunch of movies... That none of y'all should have in the immediate future at all. No. Zach, take it away with Ghosted, because I have no idea what they were attempting here. Yeah, uh, I call this one a fancy TV screensaver for people who don't think of films as art. Because there's just Mm. no sort of creativity or inspiration to be found. Not even, bro. Your screensavers are nicer than this. You have major (laughs) screensavers. You wouldn't even bother playing this. Oh, no way. You'd play Prehistoric Earth before this. Oh. Yeah, it, it's it's a calamity. I mean, it's a movie <laughs> that puts Chris Evans into the role of guy who got in way over his head, and like nobody has ever looked less like bothered by pressure than Chris Evans. He's completely Evans. incapable of playing uh, flappable. You know, he he cannot evoke panic. And like Man. maybe if you gave his role to somebody like Andy Samberg or Kumail Nanjiani or somebody funny like that, he'd be able yeah. to get a couple of chuckles out of it. Without him, there's there's nothing here. They're, they're like, it, the whole thing is just filled with like complete, boring, bland jokes. There's a runner about the like 37th best Beatles song that's integral to this movie. It's it's probably the worst script that Reese and Wernick have ever been credited on. And those dudes wrote G.I. Joe Retaliation. Like I don't I don't Shoot. get it at all. I don't get it. Uh there it's a romantic comedy, right? Where where's the meat cute? There's no meat cute. She just goes to buy a plant from him for no reason. He's weirdly mean to her. His boss is like, "Hey, you have insane sexual chemistry." So he goes and follows her to her car, and they spend twenty four hours together. Like, what is? It's just Isn't... like a movie in search of of meaning and of actual chemistry between its leads. You know it's bad when they keep telling you that they have chemistry, right? <laughs> Every twenty minutes, you, they, like a, we promise you, they have chemistry. Uh, they go through a drive-through. These guys, well, what will you have? I don't know, but you two have chemistry. Like they just needed to have it <laughs> in, like, yeah, every single time. Zach, yeah, why was he playing Zachary Levi in this movie? <laughs> this was the most I embarrassing mean, like, performance 
from he was acting like a child in this film. Zachary Levi might have even been an improvement. And like I don't think Chris Evans is a bad actor. <laughs> it's just so completely not the role for him here. And he's incapable of of playing this kind of salt of the earth dude. He's Captain America and they treat him like he looks like a schlub. Yes. And she's about to be in the John Wick spinoff. And you can't even tell if she's the one fighting or if it's somebody else. Right. It is. Ah, this is a movie they should have kept in the drafts, but they needed to release something. You know, when you got, you need to put out content. They, ah, oh, I don't like. This is a movie that is specifically meant for streaming. But every time we thought we thought about streaming movies, we didn't expect it to have this big of a cast, mm-hmm. this big of a name. Dexter Fletcher, who directed this movie. This is the worst thing he's done by far, bro. I'm a huge fan of Rocket Man, so this is. I, I really hope that he's looking for one because I see no other reason why he took that movie for Apple yeah. other than he 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 has something else he wants to work on and he needs to give them something. Uh, Eddie the Eagle wasn't this cringy, and I think Eddie had something. You even had the offer over on Paramount Plus. This is mm-hmm. nobody saw this, and I know that this was better than Ghosted. <laughs> the cameos in Ghosted have to be. The utmost. Oh, my God. They are the worst thing that has happened post-Marvel, in my opinion, that has bled to another movie. At least what Free Guy did had this cringy, ah, okay, I, I get it. What was yeah. the point of that montage, bro? It, it really does feel like the studio jingling its keys at you. Like, oh, yeah, you, you, you remember that guy from that movie that this guy's in? You, you remember them? They used to do things together, right? Like, if the Remember whole... the Disney Plus guys? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. The whole motivation of it is, like, to remind you of a movie that you probably enjoyed more than this one. Not even... It, it, it's so much worse than that that it makes me think of when you finish a job when you're filming and the guys tell you hey hey on the next one you got me this is it feels like he's they're all cashing in on the favor that chris evan owes them for something and i'm like bro Mm -hmm. go create something new you don't need to be a cameo in this overinflated apple tv movie i have yet to see anyone who has enjoyed the film um (laughs) or who even cares what this is about they're there are better versions of this. Go watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Don't watch this. Right. Just wait for the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith. There is so many variations of this type of story that have been done better than this one. It just sucks that they're two of the biggest ones. They're not bad together. Yeah. Go watch Knives Out. This it, ain't that's it. the thing. It's like it's not even that they don't are incapable of having chemistry with each other. They just are in- incapable of it without a great director behind the camera. And it kind of feels like Dexter Fletcher might not be that guy. I, I hate to hate to throw some dirt on his name yeah. right now, but I, I agree with you. This is definitely the worst thing that he's done by a while, a mile. So hopefully he turns it around. Cause I, I'm not, he's a, I don't think I can sit through a lot more movies like ghosted. That's terrible. And then this man's done gray man too. Like, Honestly, if he does anything on streaming, just just steer clear. If it can't make it to the, with Chris Evans, if it can't make it to theaters, then it should just yeah. make it to the bargain bin do at we, that point. But do we need to talk about Chris Evans? Is this a is this a problem now? Because it felt like it would be exciting when he, the MCU time was ending and he had that role in Knives Out. It looked like he was all right. Maybe he wants to dip his toe back into acting. And then since then, it's just been basically like hundred million dollar bland AI seeming blockbuster after another scripts okay but if you're gonna put him on the clock are you gonna put her on the clock too or is her are her schlubby movies not as bad 
Well, one of her schlubby movies got her an Oscar nomination <laughs> as much as I didn't <laughs> like it. Okay, well, he got a merch deal with Lightyear. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I think they should. Uh, they both, both should be fire on their the clocks. Yeah. yeah, they they need to, to readjust, do something different with it, because I don't even see what he has on the horizon. The, the Scott Pilgrim anime series, like, that's not good. She has more yeah. on the horizon, which which has me more interested in the courage trajectory. And I agree. I think at least Deepwater, Deepwater isn't boring. Blonde isn't yeah. boring. But she needs to stray away from the gray mans and the ghost. So pretty much she just needs to stray away from Chris. So, yeah, Chris, exactly. you're on the clock. We'll, we'll see how it goes. No light year two in the horizon. But if you are interested in Ghosted, it is on Apple TV Plus where you can go stream a bunch of other things instead of that. Over on Hulu, dude, the Super Trooper guys are back with Quasi. A quasi-comedy, that's all I can call it, because <laughs> this is their take on a, a medieval times in France where they're all in makeup playing Quasimodo, the torture hunchback who created mm-hmm. all the devices that they needed back in the day, um, who may actually have a thing going on with the queen. Um... I like the Super Trooper guys. I, I don't have a problem with them. I, Super Troopers is dumb. Super Troopers 2 is yeah. even dumber. But I don't mind them. But they have a lot of misses. <laughs> and yeah. um, this wasn't the worst, but this is definitely a streaming movie. It wasn't their worst? They have worse, bro. They have worse. They, they have some pretty bad ones out there. I'd say this is at least close to their worst, if not their worst. I mean, look, uh, I look, agree. I'll say Super it's worse because they got great. Brian Cox to narrate. Exactly. They brought back that should be counted against Brian them. Cox. Oh. <laughs> um, I think I, I liked Slam and Salmon more than this one, the previous one that <laughs> Kevin Heffernan directed, but I can't say I, I love that one either. Um, Yikes. Yeah, this is just... I watched I watched the first half hour of this one, so I don't really have a full review of it. But like, it's a comedy. I watched half an hour of it, and I didn't chuckle. So, I saw yeah. the whole thing, and I can't really say that people should watch it. So, yeah, Quasi is out on Hulu. <laughs> if you are curious, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I don't know if you heard about this, but Mighty. Well, I, I you should have because I was raving about it last week. They pretty yeah. much brought back half of the Power Rangers in this fifty-five minute special. That look, is it great? Absolutely not. It feels, though, like they got the exact same people from the 90s to come back in without the 4-3 cameras. They finally got the widescreen, maybe a little 2-4K for the cast they brought back, but they're (laughs) back, dude. This feels like an extension of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Is it something that we needed? Probably not. They did it, though, and and, and it feels like it's a continuation. Um, They sadly... Couldn't bring back half the cast because many didn't want to. Obviously, many are not here. They do a weird thing in the story of, you know, them trying to get uh, not just the team back together, but but stop Rita Repulsa, who has now come back as a robot. That's pretty much it. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I, I was curious for it because I'm a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. It's interesting to see them still kind of combine the cast. And it just makes me think, like, if y'all are willing to still finance these reboots, these specials, we had the 2017 movie just sitting there. There is no better version of a, of a franchise, I've always said this, as the Power Rangers, where you can literally have all of the series that have ever happened and they don't kind of get in the way of each other. Like, there's no m- multiple Batmans without getting into a multiverse. Here, right. every Ranger knows, yeah, I'm the Red Ranger from this era and this era and this mm. era. Like, they're, they're kind of in cahoots with each other. There's, you don't have to enter these multiverses for this, so... <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't, you know, uh, extended it into something bigger. I tuned in for it. 
it's not getting the worst of ratings. I think there's potential for more Power Rangers stuff, but uh, they've been really greedy with it. You know, uh, I've mentioned in, in previous episodes the uh, the fan version that they made over on YouTube. That one had a lot of eyes on it, but they got really, you know, they, there were sticklers on the copyright for that. I, I think there's a lot of potential for the series, and, and they're not using it to the max. But if you were a fan of the old ones... Um, Good little follow-up here. I, 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 once I have my kid watch all the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, this will be a, a decent enough bookend, I guess, until they make an actual theatrical film. So if you're curious on it, once and always, out on Netflix. Yeah, see, my mom never let me watch Power Rangers. She thought it was too violent. But what I don't understand is I, I got to dress up as one of the Power Rangers for Halloween one year. So, like, why did I – why was I even into it if I never watched the show? I don't, Who'd you I'm, kill? I don't – once you put on the suit, you never go back. <laughs> I guess. Like, what'd you watch? Were you Digimon. For me, nah, it was, man, I, this I, Digimon Yu-Gi-Oh. For me, it was like wild and crazy kids and ah real monsters and Rugrats. Like I don't know. She let you watch ah real monsters and not Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> That's that more twisted. That was messed up. <laughs> that yeah. was messed up. She just didn't like the violent oh. shit. Weird shit? Sure. That's funny. All right. Uh, moving on to the last two things that we have out. Uh, in streaming, but more so virtual, two little documentaries, Little Richard, I Am Everything, and then the profile piece on Judy Blue yeah. Forever. That's out on Prime. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I finally caught to catch it because I only saw like 20 minutes of it back at Sundance. Uh, you know, it, we talked about it, and it's... It's it's not necessarily going to break your uh, perception of her or like challenge the form of documentary filmmaker or anything like that, but she seems like a real sweet lady and, and, and lots of people and she means a lot to lots of people and, and that's kind of nice. Uh, it's not as good as this, but it did remind me a little bit of was it Won't You Be My Neighbor? Was that the, what the Richard Rogers doc was called? That was, yeah. But that one was yeah. better. It was definitely better. And, and yeah. like, got more into, like, the history and uh, contextualized his role better. I, I feel like there's a better Judy Bloom film to be made than this one that sort of just touches on a lot of things. But, like, it's it's very sweet. Like, I can't, I can't deny how, how heartwarming it is. Yeah. It's a promo piece, in my opinion. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's how I feel about it. It's more so like it's a legacy well -timed, thing. It's well-timed considering Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is coming out in, in a week or so. Thank you for saying that. And Prime has been known to use documentaries to promote the really big movie that's coming out. And look, it's, it's a fine enough doc. I think she deserves a better one. But yeah, yeah. it very much feels like a profile piece as promotion but hey i'm really excited for that movie you just mentioned i'm going to be talking about that one for my picks of the week because that's I'm, <laughs> hey. I'm ecstatic for that one and that's why i know that a better documentary can be made of her but uh another one the little richard one another one that we saw 20 minutes of and haven't been able to watch i've been listening to more interviews on this and it's been interesting to debate on the narrative that they take so uh if anyone's caught the little richard i am everything doc that is available uh it was in theaters for like one week and now you can catch it in the comfort of your own home. So a lot of really good Sundance docs are coming out. And it's not even any of the ones that are in our top 10. So there is a lot of good stuff that's on the horizon that's going to be coming from there. Zach, we move on to the TV series. We're starting off yeah. with Netflix with a new show that debuted at the top 10 
called The Diplomat. I haven't caught this show yet, but a lot of people are liking it. Zach, should I add it to my watch yeah. list? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it really depends on what you're looking for in TV, right? Uh, it's Good a stuff. series that <laughs> it's a series that was created by Deborah Chan, who has spent her basically her whole te- television career writing a lot of episodes of The West Wing and a lot of episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, okay. And this show kind of feels like an even blend of them both. It's very talky, but it's melodramatic. There's political intrigue that sort of drives the story of each episode, but ultimately the the big conflicts hinge on these sort of personal or romantic entanglements that kind of define the, the tone of the show and its characters. You know, it's all very, like, overlit in a very... Uh, network TV kind of way that at least Netflix to me TV. is sort of like an it's a bit of an immediate turnoff but like there's some amusing bits here and amusing bits of characterization you know uh, uh, sorry it's a uh, I always mix up her name it's uh, Carrie Russell right Carrie yeah um, yeah so Carrie Russell stars as this woman who is uh, set up to become the ambassador to Afghanistan and she becomes really, she's really Mm. excited to go somewhere where she feels like she's needed and do important work. And instead she's sent to be the ambassador of the UK where she's mostly wearing fancy dresses and taking glamor photos. And just, there's a funny sort of like a fish out of water element to it too. But I, I think as it goes on, uh, there'll probably be more of the like web of intrigue and and lies and secrets being withheld, kind of in that Grey's Anatomy style of storytelling that uh, will ultimately carry it forward. It's not really what I look for in a TV show, but I I, mm-hmm. I see why it's popular because it's certainly like it, it's an interesting setting. Uh, there's like there's totally like the promise for intrigue. It's just a little bit like. I don't know, a, a little bit tame for what I'm looking for in a show like this. Okay. All right. Did you ever watch The Americans? Because I know that that was her last really big series and people love The Americans. Yeah. I've only seen some episodes. It, it's definitely right. not as like, um, uh, not I mean, as that's nuanced, favorite, not as so, yeah. quiet as, as The Americans. Okay. You know, The Americans feels very... Uh, <laughs> the I think the big difference is like sometimes in the Americans I don't really know what's going on and I feel like I always knew what was going on in the diplomat. I feel you. All right, well, we'll see if this is another big hit that she has in her hands if Netflix continues it with a season two. But it is out right now on Netflix at number one. Number yeah. I don't know what over on Prime, but it would be mine. Dead Ringers. You mentioned it as your recommendation of the week last week. I caught that premiere. All six episodes are out, which is crazy. I. I I don't know how they decided over on Prime, but uh, look, the first one was fantastic, and it seems like it's not even the biggest one. Uh, Zach had mentioned last week how it is uh, Rachel Weisz and Rachel Weisz playing two twin Mm -hmm. sisters who work at a hospital, but they're trying to get their own place, and they're helping mothers give birth. One of them is also trying to give birth. The other one's starting. I don't even know what the other one's starting on, Um, but it is such an intriguing show. The humor is fantastic. It's witty. It's shot beautifully. I love the artwork to it. The first episode's directed by none other than Sean Durkin. Yeah, my boy. I didn't even realize until later. That's awesome. Uh, Sean Durkett, Zach loves Martha Marcy May Marlene. The Nest was one of my favorites from uh, that year as well. And then, uh, I don't know if you had mentioned this one, that it's technically a remake uh, to a book, but specifically Cronenberg. The Cronenberg, Um, yeah. The Cronenberg movie. So uh, I haven't seen that film. 
I want to finish the series first, then go back and watch the movie. But I, I am all in. This is one where uh, I am taking the time out, fully invested in this, uh, and I would highly recommend it. It is a little gory, um, very mature, but that's yeah. why There's I think of... it's really, really good. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion of sex on it, too. But it, I was mentioning last week, it does this really interesting thing where it's tying in, like, sex and birth because they're these, uh, you know, prenatal nurses and they help with uh, maternity. And I, I don't know. It, there's just a lot of really interesting elements being layered into the show. So uh, maybe we're going to have to finish the show, go watch the Cronenberg movie and come back and do a longer Make uh, the whole thing. talk no, about it. I agree. It's worth it, and uh, that's what we look for. So big thumbs up on Dead Ringers over on Prime. Uh, yeah. Quick mention, I know you were talking about it last week, and they started releasing it. This one, Peacock said, no, no, no. This one needs a little weekly release, but they do have a couple of episodes out. Uh, you were uh, thumbs up on this one for the most part, but yeah, not, I, not I fully, right? Yeah, I don't know right? if I'm... I'm fully sold on it like i i reserve the right to come back and say ah this was a waste of time <laughs> but after the first two at least i found myself pretty intrigued by just the the absurdity and mystery going on mrs davis i haven't had a chance to go any further yet but it is out <laughs> now so uh maybe you've had a chance to binge it i'd be curious to hear if any any inner cuties are enjoying the peacock show so far nice Moving on to Hulu, we have three right here. Uh, I'll start off with one that I think you were able to begin. I completely wrapped it. It is coming out weekly, if I'm not mistaken, but technically, it doesn't appear till two more days. So give your thoughts for what you've seen so far from this series on Hulu called Saint X. Yeah, uh, Saint X. It is... I feel like in some ways it's a it's a little bit of like an old fashioned streaming binge show where it, yes, it's like right? a uh, yeah where it's a mystery about a uh, missing uh, or like a mysterious death of a young woman and the ripple effects that it has on her family and the community around them. Uh, this one takes or at least sort of the the inciting incident happens on this. Um, it, I guess it's supposed to be like Resort. a Caribbean island. Uh, yeah. the island is also called Saint X, isn't it? I think that's what they're that's what they're playing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this family, while on their vacation, the elder daughter uh, goes missing and then ultimately turns up dead. And uh, the younger daughter, through a a plot that jumps back and forth in time, is sort of dealing with the fallout from. Uh, growing up with this experience her family's emotional fallout and just the lingering mystery over what the circumstances were around her death um i'm i wasn't necessarily like fully gripped by the couple of episodes i've seen so far i you know it feels like i don't know if i have like a good sense of character yet from it i i do think that the way the show is unfolding giving you little bits of uh, bits of information here and there, and they're throwing out lots of potential leads. Like it's, it puts you in that headspace of like trying to solve it, it a lot. trying to get to the bottom of it, which is cool. But yeah, like yes. I, I don't know, it's, um, I, I don't know if I'm fully like on board with it yet. I, I don't know if I'm that invested in this mystery. How, how about you? Uh, this one was put on my radar because I believe it's also a twenty-four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, because Drake also produced this and has a couple of his and songs in it as well. So Future uh, as well, I think, is on there. Yeah. Uh, well, his partner Future, not not the other Future, oh, but okay. yeah. 
um, who he produces stuff with. So he he did uh, the was the HBO and Euphoria with him as well. So right, this right. was like their next outing. And to me, it's it, I think you said it. It's like those old meant to binge right after uh, another uh, in terms of episodes type of series because it's a mystery. To me, this feels like those old freeform shows. But like back when it was yeah. ABC Family, then turned into freeform. That's a good call. And they're all sitting here on Hulu. It's that type of show where it's a you can watch it with your family, but it's it's mature enough where you maybe shouldn't. But that's what keeps the intrigue there. Uh, I think the the time hopping is what helps the show a lot. But then yeah. eventually it does kind of hurt it. Uh, because like you said, it's really leading on making you believe, oh, could it be this character over here? Is it these people? And then kind of changes it from being something about uh, who is the murderer as to why is the murderer? And I think that's where it shoots itself in the foot by the last Mm -hmm. episodes. And it kind of left a sour taste in our mouth because we were like, ah, that's kind of like coming at it from a completely different perspective. And where you land the show on is interesting if you had set it up that way from the start. Because like you said... It's in the early, like, 2000s that the story is taking place on the island. And then it's flash-forwarding into the future. Um, I'm curious to see how people react to it, because, again, this one has a couple of episodes premiering, and then it's going to be going weekly. So maybe this is able to garner an audience, because compared to a lot of the other stuff that uh, has done pretty well on Hulu that also came from Freeform, it's at the same quality, in my opinion. So Saint X over on Hulu starting April 26th. I do have a recommendation for you. I don't know if you started this or if it was on your radar. There's a docu-series. It's supposed to be five episodes, if I'm not mistaken, and two are out. I've, I've been like like I've been liking the docs, dude, from Hulu. Cool. The way they edit the Dear Mama documentary or docu-series uh, for Tupac is it's beautiful, bro. Pretty much yeah. they're telling his story by telling his mom's story. Because by telling his mom's story, you understand his I think totally. they should have a Kanye doc that goes that route. I think many artists uh, being able to go back to the root of what gave them all this creativity to begin with uh, would be a perfect avenue to kind of discuss them. But it's even a bigger deal here because obviously Dear Mama is one of uh, his most prolific songs. Uh, that's a song I had on replay a lot growing up. And I love the way they're able to break down not just the lines in the song, not just the history with his mom, but they got some crazy talking heads here. Snoop Dogg, Eminem, uh, mm. even for his own close, close personal friends, the way that they not even animate, but CGI overlay certain elements to the way that they describe stories. So they'll, they'll talk about getting pulled over by a cop and like just behind them, there'll be like the, the, the sirens. There'll be like a silhouette of a gun that comes up from the side while they're still in that talking head frame. I think they do a fantastic job uh, in the pacing and the editing uh, and just really building up this world and finding a lot of archives um, for Tupac. Highly, highly recommend this one, along with the rap caviar that I had mentioned that was just a bunch of vignettes and profiles for certain artists, but uh, I like how deep they're getting into this one, and at five episodes, it's got my recommendation so far. Dear Mama, a docuseries over on Hulu. And then probably the best thing that's been playing, the season two finale of Abbott Elementary. I think season yeah. two is just as good as season one. I'm very happy. Because because they've been winning so many awards. I wasn't sure if it was going to get diluted. They have not. I think they're still hitting on all cylinders. Um, and, and we'll see what this round two does yeah. at the Emmys. But uh, what have you thought so far? 
I mean, well, this is it's not just that the finale aired, right? But this was also the end of what was a really long season of TV by modern day standards. They did 22 episodes, which is virtually yep. unheard of, uh, you know, in the 2020s. And I, I agree with you. Like, I thought there were maybe like a couple episodes here and there that weren't necessarily like their best. Nothing that I like turned off my TV in disgust, but there were a mm -hmm. lot that were, were excellent and not only just like hilarious episodes, but they did a really great job of expanding the world and bringing in new characters, bringing in yes. amazing guest stars. Io Debris and Taraji showing up on this season is just some of my like some of my favorite bits just watching comedy on TV this year. You know, uh, it, it's the kind of stuff that does make me feel like Abbott has like a good future as like a consistent hangout show that they can continue to turn out these long seasons that are really rewarding because, you know, we've been talking uh, sometimes on the stream, sometimes off of it about just stuff to watch while you're doing things. And Abbott is like a perfect hangout show. Watch three or four episodes of it. Maybe stuff you've already seen before as you're getting some other stuff done because the characters are so delightful. There's so many fun jokes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily my favorite comedy on TV, but it, but it's definitely one of the best hangouts there is available right now. The Emmys cutoff is uh, May 31st. Yes. So I, you know, because they're so stilted on that one. The Emmys aren't until September, but the idea is, is like they're already getting the predictions ready. And obviously th this is a big one that's there. Um, I would be very curious to see uh, us put a list together to see what we're rooting for, uh, especially, you know, because by then we'll have our, our mid-year one, but... Yeah, I'll give one that. critique and then the three things that I've been loving of the show. My one critique is it's way too close to the office. I ha I still yes. don't really care for the camera angle thing of it. Oh, it's a docu documentary crew. They finally gave a mention to that this season, even though it don't make sense when you rewatch it. But whatever. It's the <laughs> office bit. You like the zoom-ins. You like staring at the camera. There is... A also, the storyline aspect between a love angle that they continue yeah. to like, nope, not yet. We're trying to go the eighth season, so we're going to put it on pause. And I'm like, okay, this is very close to uh, Dumbler Mifflin stuff. Yeah. That said, though, my top three things to say, that world building, I'm going to give you my favorite thing that they've done. Continue to make um, the janitor. I'm blinking on the janitor's name right now. Oh, because shoot. What's his so name? so mysterious. He doesn't, he doesn't have Mr. Johnson. He doesn't have a first yes. name. I don't ever want to know his first name. Continue to make him this mystical being. I love that part of the show. Two, best guest appearance. You mentioned some really good ones. Best guest appearance, without a doubt, Vince Staples. He has killed it every single time he's been on the show. And then my number one thing, I think Educator of the Year is the best episode they've had so far. Because in my opinion, it's Quinta and it's uh, Tyler almost reflecting on the awards that they got. Mm. And I'm going to just leave it at that. Rewatch the episode after you've seen all the interviews they had to do through the Emmys run. And I think that's dumb venting there. Those are my favorite types of episodes. I like Atlanta when it did that. I like Abbott when it does that. Yeah, it's it's, it's my go-to sitcom on Hulu right now for sure. So Abbott Elementary, two whole seasons. Um, and I, I'm with you, dude. 22 is unreal. To do but in at today's the same age. time... It's so nice from a consumer perspective that like yeah, you but can actually sit down and, and watch a lot or like when you know, I find sometimes 
I like to rewatch shows, but given how short seasons are now that you end up just rewatching the same episode over and over a and lot. over, like, you know, yeah. but I, I've already re rewatched the new season of party down a couple times, but it's six episodes long. Like that, that lasts me a couple hours. Abbott, like a 30 minute album. Me... Yeah, exactly. Abbott, I can I walk, you. I can hang out with all weekend. Yeah, but if I were to say audiences suck and we still complain when there's not a new episode out. So there's no satisfying us regardless yeah. of. But we have been satisfied by one streaming service that is still HBO Max. So I will probably continue calling out HBO Max, HBO Max before HBO <laughs> becomes just Max. Somebody somewhere, season two is uh, arriving this uh, upcoming, I don't know if it started already, but season two. Um, I thought it was a decent show. Uh, my buddy, I have a bunch of buddies who work on this. I didn't realize they shoot a couple of these scenes in Chicago. So if oh. you are interested in the show or working on it, I'm not hiring for it, but I'd be really cool to work on the show because I've heard it's been very fun, uh, a very fun production set. And nice. season two will be premiering on the 20 something, probably today, if not yesterday. But the one we're here I've to talk about. i heard things about the show too. Uh, Great things, but yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Barry, bro. Let's talk about the comedy yeah, let's we get really into care it. about. And to me, it's still a comedy. The final thing to discuss is HBO's final season of The Assassin slash character actor slash... <laughs> I don't even know where you want to go with this, bro. It has extended to whatever you thought season one was. We're in a completely different ballpark here. Every character mm -hmm. has grown and like they would not recognize themselves from the pilot. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to begin? Yeah, because I mean, it's... There's so many places we can begin. Part of me wants to begin with the cameos because the cameos were just so delightful on this episode. Oh, may I? May I? Please. If you haven't seen the cameos, I highly recommend going to search them up. In fact, you can argue. And you'd be able to see them all there. Dude, Zach told me, jump on this episode. Do Skip whatever's in it. theaters. You need to yeah. watch Barry before tomorrow. And Theo appears, bro. Absolutely <laughs> killed it. I've seen it. I've seen that specific scene like 10 times. He's so funny in it. Uh, I don't know, man. Especially just that they named him Toro as well is such a funny <laughs> touch to me. Uh, I, uh, I mentioned I wanted to show you a thing that I found because he already did right. an interview with Deadline where they spoiled that Guillermo was going to be on the show. Uh, although mm. I didn't, I hadn't heard about it until I caught it. Uh, but apparently... Bill Hader is friends with Alfonso Cuaron, and that's how they were able to connect. <laughs> wow. He says here, uh, I'm friends with him. I'm friends with Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso was texting me. Guillermo says, you don't know how to direct. They were just fucking with me while I'm shooting with him. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you know what I'll say about Bill Hader? That man knows a lot more people than we know because he too had some very special mm -hmm. pop-ups this past week that will keep a secret. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. I like that. It makes uh, me like it even was, more. And that was Guillermo's cane as well. Uh, so he really he was it his hat? had his own touch to the show. Uh, but beyond that, I also thought that like deploying Fet Fred Armisen was particularly hilarious. Like obviously they have a relationship that goes back all the way to SNL and a lot of their work on stuff. First like time, right? On the show? Now. Yeah. The only time he's appeared on the show and in like, just like what is kind of a small role, but the kind of role that Fred Armisen has the, the rubber faced qualities to make hilarious. Yes. He doesn't even, um, like, talk. He's just sweating profusely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, speaking of that Fred Armisen things, a scene, uh, things got kicked up a notch this week on Barry. There was a lot of just sort of dealing with new circumstances, Barry in jail, people uh, like Cousineau and Sally, uh, you know, having this newfound fame that they don't necessarily want because of their relationship to Barry. But in week three, uh, the conflicts got escalated. Uh, you know, we have these really funny characters in Barry and Noho Hank actually forced to get serious and start threatening each other in what was like a really I like br- that. Uh, brilliantly acted moment on the phone between them. Yeah. Noho's needed that. He, he, he's been used too much. He needs to know where to draw a line. I like that. I mean, you know, we forget sometimes because the characters are so delightful to watch that, like, this is a show about bloodthirsty criminals, crime bosses, assassins. But, like, when they have to turn on the toughness. And (laughs) yet a co-worker who's just not doing what they're supposed to do. Right, right. Uh, Did you have any takeaways from this episode? I'm a broken record. Who's been my favorite? She continues to kill it. It's Yeah. She's finally doing her own acting class. And being able to invert what she thought was a positive, right, into other people not realizing how abusive it is. It, it's just – it accentuates what I think has been the best part of the show, these uh, cycles of violence that you don't realize. Obviously to the degree of mm-hmm. making you an assassin, but also to the degree of being an actress who thinks that that's – that the, the methods that got her to a certain point are what she's supposed to – teach others in order for them to get to that certain point that you need to almost be as broken as the character you're trying to be. And the way they call her out in that scene was just great. All of her reactions. If it's, if it's her face on the frame, she has been killing it. I'm so disappointed. She didn't win. She didn't win last year. Um, she's, she's still my pick for this year. Still supporting. Yeah, I mean, cause they're making her leave. I, dude. She's carrying a lot. I know. I, I, maybe they'll change it up for this final season. Uh, but yeah, as for now, I, I guess she's supporting. By the way, we were talking last week about uh, how they played two episodes from the first season, uh, from the uh, fourth season at mm-hmm. once, right? You were worried that they were burning off Barry. I don't like uh, that. And now yeah. they're just going week by week. I uh, I was listening to the Prestige TV podcast, and Bill Hader talks about that. First of all, he said he was actually happy that HBO made that decision because if he, he feels like the season really kicks into gear on that second episode. Uh, But the whole reason that the thing happened was they realized the May 31st Emmy cutoff that if they did one episode a week, that would have taken them one week into June. So just by doing two episodes on that first week, the show will end before May 31st. It's all for the Emmys, dude. Started earlier, but they didn't want to start it earlier because it was an episode (laughs) that needed to have nothing in the way for succession. Huh? That's funny. Yeah. Wow, they'd rather double it up instead. Okay. Oh, yeah. good inside baseball there. Good inside Barry. Good inside Barry. Yeah. Uh, can I drop a couple of Easter eggs on you? Hit me. All right, so uh, I don't know if you put this together, but the person whose fingers go on the seat in the airplane in episode one, that was the guy that Sally kills on the previous season. Uh, he then shows up again in the back row of her acting class this week. The... So she's also kind of being haunted in a way, uh, wow. un- not dissimilar to, to the Tar Ghosts or something. I like that. That's really good. Or both. And, <laughs> if she's and seeing then it, the, she'll uh, see it. Yeah. And then the uh, variety actor who's played by Peter Fischler. So he has that moment where after he gets interrogated, he comes back and starts speaking only German. 
it was Peter. It was Patrick Fischler's idea that his character is constantly eating Skittles, and then when he comes back later, only speaking German, he's eating Haribo gummy bears because Haribo is a German company. So goofy, and I and I caught the Skittles too because Skittles have been everywhere recently. The Mulholland yeah. Drive guy, right? Yes, exactly. All right, funny, funny. Uh, I, I've seen ahead on to next week's Barry. It's the only episode that I, uh, have been, have gone ahead with so far. You got to watch that one live too. That's another good one. (laughs) I'm I'm assuming every single thing towards the end of Barry. How many, uh, are they going to wrap with eight? Only eight. Yeah. Wow. We're almost halfway through. Couldn't get nine or else the Emmys cut him off. Exactly. All right, well, well, Barry, it's been just as good as all the other seasons and has created a big Sunday, considering you have Succession, which we're going to be talking about right after this podcast in full spoilers. So if you have not seen that one, definitely make sure you go fit it in within the 15 minutes that we're going to go make coffee between this (laughs) stream and the other stream so you can go talk about it with us. Or, you know, just queue it up since they'll all be on the men after the fact. Before we get to our picks of the week, though, Zach, give a big shout out to all of the Inner Cutie patrons. Yeah, we would like to thank those wonderful people who are supporting the show. They are Ewan, Ronette, Julieta, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Brady, Marion, Michael, Mr. Kobayashi, Nick the Monty, LaShawn, Devesh, and Diana. Our Academy level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji, and of course, a big thanks to the producer-level patrons. They are Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. Thanks again for all the support, and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits uh, like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to the private channels on the intercut Discord, and access to some intercut episodes before we publish them as well, as well as an invitation to our monthly Patreon Google meetings, all for as little as one buck a month on Patreon.com/slash IntercutPod. What you pour in there? Coffee. If you're a patron, you can even smell it for free through our free X feature. <laughs> Oh, we did have a very interesting uh, bracket last week because yeah. we told y'all that it was going to be difficult to narrow it down and then to narrow the narrowing down from the other honorable mentions into the bracket. I saw what the intercuties picked. We'll see how the intercut one goes down after all is said mm-hmm. and done. But we're still looking yeah, for a guest there. Best Day 24 uh, movie. And we still have enough time because we're going to time it for the releases of, uh, for the summer, the A24 releases of Talk to Me, Talk to me and or... Past Lives, which are yeah. uh, two of our favorites of this year. So if you have any A24 movie that you would argue for, this is your time to let us know down below, just in a regular comment. Be like, hey, before the, you make that bracket, you need to have Mississippi Grind or whatever it is. Oh, make sure you take out Climax because it's not good. Whatever right. you want to tell us, make sure you let us know down below in the comment section because um, we'll be rewatching a bunch of stuff. That'd be the other thing, too. Too. It's what movies uh, they think we, we should uh, give a second chance, but it's going to be a very interesting bracket. I'm excited for it. Um, let's get into our picks for the week. Zach, what yeah, let's do it. is your first one? Uh, I'm going to give a mild recommendation to the movie Sisu. It wasn't my favorite 
Uh, I, I caught it recently on a screener, but I think there might be enough there for the action junkies, for the for the person in your life who really loves uh, Liam Neeson movies, that it's worthwhile to watch. Uh, the film follows a uh, gold miner who, after stumbling on a life-changing amount of gold, is uh, confronted by a group of Nazis who try to take the gold from him. And then it's be- what begins is 90 minutes of just decimating Nazi forces in a variety of, uh, of, of explosive ways. It's a pretty ridiculous movie. Like, if it's not going to be for you, if you're a person who watches and nitpicks, like, how did he survive that kind of stuff? Like, this is a, basically an immortal dude plowing down Nazis. But, like, if that sounds fun to you, and I'm sure there's a lot of people to whom that would sound fun, there's some fun action filmmaking here. There's some interesting uh, set pieces, like an extended sequence navigating a land, uh, 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 stretch of landmines that I thought was pretty cool. I feel like it ends up being a bit repetitive in the way that, like, maybe a Becky got repetitive for me. Uh, but, you know, I know there's a crowd out there that does appreciate an action movie like this. So I'll, I'll give a shout, at least, to Sisu. The trailer is so good. I love the trailer to this. And I really wanted to trailer. love the movie. It, Yeah, I'm so underwhelmed. Like, I want to give it the three. But there's an underwhelming aspect of it that just made me almost yeah. sit at a two and a half. I'm I'm a little torn with. I'm a rewatch because they gave me the screener two for it. Yeah, I just wanted it to be a little bit better. I don't know. There's there's a shortcut this takes that I feel some of the John Wicks don't. But I know yeah. people have argued that the John Wicks kind of do. You see it here, but uh, I'm with you in the same type of recommendation for Sisu playing in theaters this upcoming week. What else you got? Yeah, if you don't want to go to theaters, but you're also looking for some kind of action flick of sorts to uh, keep you occupied. They were playing this, this in is theaters. Another, like, were they playing this in theaters? Dude, Amazon's like, hey, you know, we already got trailers at Why? AMC. Why not just come watch episodes <laughs> one and two? And my mom was telling me, she's like, I thought this was going to Prime. I'm like, Prime thinks that they're a movie. Com- I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So they did have some. Should you watch it in theaters or should you just watch it at home? <laughs> I think you could stay at home for this one. This is another mild recommendation for me, but I'm going to throw Citadel out there mostly because I'm going to recommend it to my dad. I know he'll enjoy it at least. Uh, To me, this almost reminded me of like the Pierce Brosnan era of Bond movies, Mm. ones that are a little bit like sexy and sleek and gadget focused, but also a bit like dumb and loud. This is maybe not quite as like cinematic as some of those movies are, but like there's like a, like an easy watching quality to it. Um, Yeah. It's, it does kind of like operate with a bit of a heavy hand, you know, like there's somebody threatening to blow up a British airways flight, like in the first five to 10 minutes of this thing. And I don't know if like literally every leading actor on the show needed a case of amnesia for the plot to be explained. But like, it's got sexy people punching uh, each other, and it's not, like, annoying to watch. Like, if we're going to choose between this and Ghosted, honestly, it's no comparison. Oh, that's not even fair when you put it that way. <laughs> it does have that <laughs> thing where you're they're talking to each other, and at the same time, it's a plan, and it's foreplay for the both of them. So, yeah, yeah I, I can see the comparisons to Old Bond. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people like Richard Madden. A lot of people like Priyanka Chopra-Jones, oh, Stanley Tucci. Uh, Stanley Tucci shows up and gets to be kind of snarky and fun. The guy but, in the chair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy in the chair. So 
I, I don't know if it needed to like jump back and forth in time so constantly, but it's all right. Like it's a decent, uh, decently interesting watch. Six episodes over on Prime, releasing weekly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think three at first and then weekly after that. Sounds good. Mm. Um, I'll give a shout out to Raging Bull. I just went and saw the 4K restoration of Raging Bull over in the fest. uh, Yeah, like at Film Forum, they were playing it. Uh, and you know, it's just a gorgeous print of like a iconic movie, of course. I mean, just one of the great film performances of all time from De Niro. And then of Pesci, nice. maybe even better in a supporting performance there. Um, yeah, just an all time great Scorsese film and I, and no time like the present to start your Scorsese catch up. Cause there's a lot of movies that you're going to have to go through before killers of the flower moon. But, uh, if you don't happen to be near, a uh, theater that's playing the 4K restoration. Criterion released the 4K not too long ago, I think late last year. So there's, uh, you can get Raging Bull 4K, uh, not nice. too hard to find it. And then you can watch a classic movie in great style. Decent. I still need to go to the film forum. One of the yeah, theaters dude, I'm we'll go next time you're here. Decent. Uh, this next one, have you seen any episodes? I haven't. They might send it to us this week, but, uh, you know, we'll c- report back after the premiere because I think it's premiering this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. So Love and Death, uh, we were interested in this one for a couple reasons. First of all, it stars some actors we really love in Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons. Uh, but intriguingly, Elizabeth Olsen is playing Candy Montgomery here, the subject of the Candy miniseries that Jessica Biel starred in last right? year for Hulu. Yeah. So this All is another one of those like twin film phenomenons, except it's now like a twin limited series phenomenon. phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, the, where, what channel was that last one on, the Jessica Biel on? Was it Hulu? The Jessica Biel one was on Hulu, and it was just yeah. titled Candy and then this one's going to be on HBO and everyone keeps joking that by the time it's out, it's just going to be max. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I trust the HBO brand a little more than who the cast this is max. This, the cast is better too. I'm yeah. curious about it. I'm curious too. I mean, uh, the last trailer that they've been playing the trailers before you watch succession and they've been kind of decent. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it. look, this is like the first acting like sorry mcu fans but the first real acting Stop, <laughs> that elizabeth olsen has done in what like a decade half a decade this is the first acting she's done outside of a green screen for sure for sure <laughs> uh and then my last pick of the week is a new stand-up special john mulaney baby J. uh don't know if you've heard but john mulaney's had some eventful things happen in his life the past couple of years. Uh, An intervention, a stint in rehab, a divorce, a marriage to Olivia Munn and a new baby. Uh, A lot of things to go through in your personal life and then try to translate that into comedy. Uh, but I've I've always really enjoyed John Mulaney's stand-up. I think he, if he's not the best working stand-up comic today, he's easily in the top five. Um, so yeah, anytime he's putting out a new special, I feel like it's worth paying attention to. I'm curious about this one. All right, see if he retells any of his old jokes. See how they apply now. <laughs> this yeah. is Netflix? Uh, yeah, I think this one is coming to Netflix. All right, tonight. Should be out on midnight. 
All right, my yes. picks for the week. I'm going to start with one that is on my watch list that's coming out in theaters. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, I had read the original copy my mama had uh, way, yeah. way, way back in the day, uh, one of her favorite books. And from what the trailers and posters and a lot of the reviews that are coming in so far, it seems like it's a pretty good adaptation for it. Like we said, there was even a documentary made for... Um, Judy Bloom in order to promote the movie. So uh, I have this one on my radar. I think it's probably the biggest theatrical release of this week alongside Sisu. Uh, another one that came out last year and had a beautiful IMAX release. I made sure to go out on the last day it was playing and it was freaking worth it. Brett Morgan's Moon Age Daydream is coming to HBO on April 29th. Um, it's going to be the streaming release for it. I would highly recommend this one. Uh, I think it was one of the better documentaries of last year. And I love a documentary that understands its subject and fully edits, flows. All of it is outlined in the manner that you would expect of a Bowie documentary. Some really good credits as well in terms of just giving you all of Bowie's inspirations and a nice little list. Uh, and now that it's out uh, at home, uh, I hope people enjoy it. Uh, I'm really excited to catch up ones. with it. Dude, if they release this in theaters, it's worth going to go get, go catch in IMAX. Uh, yeah. Highly recommend that. Uh, I went to the music box. You were talking about going to the film forum. I recently became... A little member of the hey. uh, music box Hold thing. On, let me, I figured. There's the you got one too? solo layout. Show it again. Oh, there you go. Right there, little little music box yeah. card. Yeah. Uh, I was almost gonna get the AA24 one because of uh, the 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 things that they were giving out, but uh, I said, you know what? I go to the music box. It's time to become a member. You get a couple little perks with it. So I went to go see exactly. this movie right here. The Innocent. This was actually from a couple weeks ago. It was the same time that I went to go catch um, Doom, De Doom Generation. Uh, and it was this French nice. film that starred Noemi Merlant. That's all I needed. They pitched it as a thriller. It was quite <laughs> delightful. Pretty much, uh, she just plays the friend to this guy whose mother works at a prison and she falls in love with an inmate who's being released. But is he being released from his life of heist? Who knows? Uh, I thought it was funny. They do some really goofy editing with this as well. And I thought that the entire last act of the movie uh, straddles this line between being serious and unserious. They're putting on a performance, but not really putting on a performance. They're lying and being as honest as they can at the same time. Uh, and I would recommend it. If it's still playing in some art house theaters, give it a watch if you can. If not, it should be awesome. out on VOD in a couple of weeks. The Innocent. Nice. I don't know if you followed up on these guys, but we had reached out for this series called From. People were recommending it to us, and I'm like, nah, mm -hmm. I just canceled my Epic subscription. And then everyone <laughs> starts talking about this show. They did not give us season one, but now they want to give us season two. So, Zach, make sure you follow right. up on them because yeah, season sure. one got added to Prime. So I finally had the chance to watch it, and we ate it up. It, it's just fun. It's obviously going to have that Lost-esque style, especially since you have uh, Harold, who's in this. Um, pretty much a family arrives in this town, and they may not be able to leave this town, but they definitely cannot leave their house at night because whatever knocks at your window, you can't open. Or your curtains, bro. I have been enjoying it. I think the characters are interesting. I think the world building may not allude to anything at the end of it, but man, is it peeling enough and letting you know little things about why they're stuck in this town uh, that has kept me intrigued from episode to episode. So I am very curious on season two. Oh, almost curious enough. I can't give a better recommendation than this than to maybe get a free trial of MGM Plus once it all wraps. Hey, so there we from, go. It is on Prime and uh, season one's been worth it so far. And season two is premiering uh, this upcoming week. 
My final one is for yet again another subscription service, but one that is at least free. Slip is a series that premiered over at South by Southwest and is now premiering yeah. on the Roku channel, bro. The Roku channel. It's free, but you still need a subscription for it. And I look, I won't lie, Roku's kind of decent. It's a little bit like Tubi, but they're actually making originals that people want to see. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of rooting for them. They got all the Quibi stuff now. Hey, yeah. you know, they, they might have a future there. And look, uh, Slip isn't as great as Band-Aid. I love Band-Aid so much that I will always be there for the next Zoe Lister-Jones project. And I was so excited to see her in Bo is Afraid. I don't know why I didn't recognize her in the trailers, but she appeared in Bo is Afraid. Mm-hmm. She was one of my favorite parts of that movie. This is her, oh, and Good Person, which I also mentioned. Slip is decent. It's her TV series that is playing it really close to the heart because she also had a creative partner who she split from. And this mm-hmm. show kind of feels like the venting process after that. Um, it is about a woman who every time she climaxes, she ends up in another parallel, not just universe, <laughs> a parallel relationship. So yeah. this is available over on Roku. It is seven episodes long. I am just missing the finale uh, from what we saw at South by, but I liked it enough yeah. to recommend it. So in reverse order, Roku, go catch Slip if you're interested in it. I don't know if you had something to say about Slip. I know you were able to catch uh, a big portion of it. Just that I think I would have preferred it as a movie, but it's still pretty enjoyable. I And that's a good point because Roku got the Quibi, and I wonder if they also took the Quibi tactics of not receiving yeah. a movie but receiving a show. So I can yeah. see that. Slip over on Roku from, which is on Prime, or you could get MGM Plus if you want to, since season two is now premiering uh, The Innocent, which I caught over at the Music Box, but should be getting a wider release with VOD. Moon Age Daydream, coming to streaming, but oof, one of the best IMAX experiences of last year. And the one I'm most excited for in theaters, Are You There, Got It? It's me, Margaret. Zach Had. Uh, John Mulaney's new special, Baby J. Uh, I also had the upcoming Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Plemons miniseries on HBO Max, Love and Death. Uh, I have a throwback in the 4K restoration of the Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro classic, Raging Bull. And then a couple mild recommendations for the action head in your life on Amazon Prime Video or in some theaters, apparently. Uh, You can catch some episodes of Citadel or in theaters, you can catch the Nazi hunting movie Sisu. Beautiful. Uh, That's all for this week's show. Zach, let the people know where they can find more from you. You can catch more from me at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H on uh, Twitter or Letterboxd or Instagram, whatever. Or find more of my videos on Multiplex Show, whether that is also on YouTube or on TikTok or even now on Instagram. i got a couple new videos about this season hey. of Barry if you're uh, curious to check out some more Easter eggs. Zach has an entire Rumble outlet. He's going full out on every service that's out there. <laughs> Uh, but he's going to be got here my, every week on the Intercut. <laughs> every week here on the Intercut podcast, uh, where we do recommend stuff that we did not mention, such as Yellow Jackets, yeah. which we had a question right in the last quarter right here uh, about it. And look, I have not been liking it as much as season one, but I've still been tuning yeah. in weekly. So that's how I'm feeling about it so far. But uh, I'm not against it. So still a thumbs up on Yellow Jackets, but season one was just, shh. Uh, there's something yeah. about it. Definitely feeling a little bit of a dip in quality, but I'm I'm sticking with it. There's a there's a theory out there that it's a prequel, sequel, secretly to Lost. 
I don't believe it at all. But if it is, yeah. I mean, it's taking a page out of that season too. Uh, a reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on Anchor, on Spotify, on your favorite podcatcher. And you can catch a live video here on YouTube.com. You know, they say there's a YouTube clip that you can click down below. Uh, we go through the weekend must-watch every single Monday, not on Thursdays. But a big shout-out to all the intercuties who listen live, all of the patrons, all of the iTunes listeners who leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over on Intercut Pod. And until next time, keep watching movies, and we'll see y'all later. Take care. And call your mama. <laughs>